Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. Hello and welcome to another episode of Light Body Radio. I am your host, Dr. Lara May, and today I want to talk about sadhana, or um, in layman's terms, it would be called a spiritual practice. But the term sadhana literally means the accomplishing of something, accomplishing something. It is a generic term coming from the yogic tradition. And it refers to any spiritual practice or exercise that is aimed at progressing towards the ultimate expression of his or her life in this current reality. It is included in traditions like Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism, and um, it can really be followed in order to achieve various spiritual or ritual objectives. But... um, I was I was doing research for this episode. I found um, that one uh, one spiritual teacher and yogi, Sadguru, defines sadhana as everything can be sadhana: the way you eat, the way you sit, the way you stand, the way you breathe, the way you conduct your body, mind, and your energies and emotions. This is sadhana. Sadhana does not mean any specific kind of activity. Sadhana means you're using everything as a tool for your well-being. And I really liked this. That was a direct quote from him, too, by the way. Um, But why? Why would we want to do this? So really, it's because a solid practice of anything consistently literally becomes the foundation of your life and enhances everything else. Repetition is the foundation of both physical and mental growth. So whether you're an athlete, a yogi, a meditator, maybe you're of the um, Christian faith and you pray quite um, frequently, whatever you do repeatedly and whatever you think repeatedly really becomes who we are. In any area where we are passionate, whether it's work, relationships, sports, or hobbies, we realize the importance of committing ourselves to a regular practice. And yet, ironically, we seldom apply the same consistent effort to emotional or spiritual improvement as we do, let's say, athletic improvement or um, professional improvement. So very much like an athlete who sets goals and establishes a program and periodically evaluates how the program is working, if we are serious about our personal growth, then we really should be thinking about applying those that same regimen to that spiritual growth. 
to our personal growth. So sadhana is our own unique approach to working toward our own emotional and spiritual ideas and development. And as such, it is an indispensable part of our spiritual and emotional lives and well-being. So again, we practice this with the goal to surrender our ego and develop a profound relationship with the divine and our inner being and our inner selves. And this can be done with meditation, yoga, prayer, and other related practices. So um, as an athlete, maybe you find yourself um, repeating mantras or saying things to keep yourself motivated or... um, Um, trained in the right direction. That also could be considered a sadhana. Your practice is going to give you grounding and it can provide an anchor when things are hectic and rough. Um, Your sadhana can really be um, sort of, um, I found one yogic writer uh, refer to it as a magic carpet ride. And um, and it can help you uh, keep things magical in your life. Having a personal practice can allow you access to the quiet parts of yourself and can allow you access to the creative parts of yourself and can also allow you to find space and to tune into your intuition. Our busy Western lives are often jam-packed with so much, whether it's lessons, activities, kids stuff, Um, husband-wife stuff, relationship stuff, school stuff, career stuff, financial stuff. There's lots of stuff (laughs) in our life. And there's a lot of white noise. I don't know how many of you out there try to listen to the news or maybe you're addicted to the news. Um, There's so there can be overconsumption of information. There can be overconsumption of food. There can be overconsumption of um, media, social media, whatever it is, just busy, busy, busy. And a really sort of a chronic state of mindlessness and distraction. So we cultivate a personal practice as a safe haven, as a refuge away from all of this, as sort of like coming back uh, to home base as a daily reset. And so uh, your sadhana can be a reflection of who you are, of what you love, or maybe it is where you want to go and who you want to um, create yourself to be. So I'm going to take you through just a really basic outline because, again, a sadhana is a personal practice. And so I want this to be um, specific to you and it should fulfill you and make you feel full and whole and nurtured. So... There should be some sort of personal goals and reflection. Um, So just maybe take some time to think about, well, what do I want to get out of this? Why am I choosing to do this? Is it to cultivate some stillness? Is it to create space in my very hectic, busy life? So um, the first step as many things are in a lot of the things that I talk about on um, this podcast is establishing your goals and really looking at your challenges and getting honest and real about that. So identify the areas in which you would most like to grow. What are the aspects of your emotional and spiritual life that could be stronger? What are the issues that consistently change or I'm sorry, challenge you or hold you back? 
And again, I'm going to keep referring back to um, the athlete because there's a lot in common here. Uh, there are several ways which we can clarify our objectives. One approach is to evaluate uh, your general performance in life. And um, just like as an athlete reviews their last races, games or competitions and reflects on them, um, you can also do this. So where are you? I like to use uh, one of the tools that I use with my clients a lot is the wheel of life. And it is a circle that's divided up into um, 12 sections. And they are and they include finances, relationships, health, um, spirituality. Oh, that's only four. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there's a lot of aspects to it. And so what I have my clients do, and you can do this well as well, and I can um, actually, I'll put a link to this on the show notes page so that you can download and you can start working with this tool for free. Um, and you, so you just put a dot uh, closer to the center of the dot means that you need work and closer to the outside means that you um, feel like totally fulfilled and in a good spot. So ideally, once you did this, you should have a perfect circle. But of course, none of us are perfect and none of us have perfect balance in our lives. So it's never a perfect circle, but you can use this and make copies as well. And so you can come back to this exercise every week or every month or maybe even every day just to see where you feel um, in these different aspects of your life. And it helps you to sort of get a global look at things and to maybe sometimes you'll realize that what where you thought you were isn't really how you're feeling at the moment. And so it'll give you uh, opportunities to sort of tweak and reset and rebalance things. So um, again, doing this exercise, taking notes, reflecting, and figuring out what's important to us and where we want to um, put more effort in. Uh, perhaps we do notice a tendency that we are short-tempered or judgmental, and um, or maybe we have a lack of willpower with food or spending money. So... Um, most of us already have a pretty good idea of what's on our list and um, generally evaluating and going through this exercise is enough. So, um, but sometimes it can feel really overwhelming or we can, you know, we'll reflect that judgment back on ourselves. So don't use this as an opportunity to beat yourself up. Again, like I, I like to say, be the objective detective. Look at it from a perspective of I can take this information and use it to change things in my life. The next aspect is to get honest and clarify your current situation and your capacity for change. How willing are you to start implementing change? I want you to really try to get clear on any restrictions or obstacles that you're currently facing, as well as the general amount of time and energy you are you feel like you can devote and are willing to devote to this practice. Um, again, with the athlete, how much training is, you know, consistently put in? Uh, how much time do other obligations take? So we have to ask the same thing when we are looking at our spiritual work and our spiritual uh, practice and dedication. 
And this is important for a couple of reasons, because first, there is no point in building up an elaborate detailed program if it's only going to make you feel overextended, exhausted, judgmental towards yourself. Um, and there is, honestly, there's... Um, more honesty and realistically we look at these things in advance the more likely we are to be successful and to build a program that you can sustain and enjoy because the enjoy aspect is a huge part of this we're not doing it to um just add something else into our lives that's going to be like drudgery and dread we want it to be fun we want it to be enjoyable we want it to feel refreshing and nurturing so Look at everything, look at all the energy that you have to put in and the time. <clears throat> we also want to look at other areas of our life, including the flow of your day, your other physical circumstances, how your practices may need to mesh with the lives of the people you're close to, whether that be significant others or children or other family members. Um, for example, certain parts of your sadhana might fit in better uh, once your children are up and out the door, or maybe you're a super early morning riser and you can have time to set aside 15 minutes before the kids and the husband or the significant other get up in the morning. Other practices might be better if you can find a time at the end of the day, or even maybe if you enlist a partner or a friend, um, some sort of uh, accountability buddy. There are so many ways that you can personalize this and tweak it to make it successful. Um, but it's really helpful if you can anticipate the different factors that you might um, foresee as bumps in the road or obstacles. So um, just give it some, you know, definitely time and thought. All right. So we are, we have looked at our goals and our challenges and we've gotten honest and real with our situation and our capacity and our willingness. So now we are going to set the groundwork and the foundation. And again, from the yogic tradition, we would call this um, asana, which literally means seat. And you might think of asana in yoga as the, um, the, the, what most people do as yoga, so the movement but asana literally means seat. So we're going to build and activate your sacred space. So think about a place where you can um, do this practice. Um, maybe collect items to support your practice. So maybe you want to um, build a little altar in the corner of a room uh, with a candle, maybe some pretty crystals. Uh, maybe some flowers, uh, space for a yoga mat or um, a meditation pillow, <clears throat> or, <clears throat> excuse me, goodness. Um, so there's lots of different things um, that will set your groundwork and foundation. And that will really depend on the type of uh, practice that you're going to build for yourself. So also um, in the same line, you want to determine your content or you know your we'll call it your vehicle for growth is this going to be dance is it going to be yoga is it going to be meditation maybe it'll be um journaling or um 
manifestation exercises or embodiment practices, or maybe a combination of all, or maybe you want to like say, okay, on Monday, I'm going to have some dance. And on Tuesday, I'm just going to sit quietly and meditate. Any of those things. So um, I want to give you a couple, some it's not a couple, it's several (laughs) definitions and ideas of things for you to think about to include. So I already said asana, and even a brief daily practice of some basic poses can improve your health, while also calming your mind for meditation. And typically, in the yogic tradition, we do asana. So we do the movement in order to prepare our body for the meditation and the stillness after after that. So asana helps us remember the conditional nature of our, of our bodies, because every day we come to our mat, we're in a different place. You know, we might be tight, we might be warm and loose, we might be feeling adventurous for some arm balances or headstands. Or maybe we're just looking for something super gentle and restorative. What are your thoughts and feelings every day when you come to your mat? These are also influenced and will influence your physical state. This awareness will help you avoid falling into attachment to not only our bodies, but also our emotions and beliefs, because really everything is transient, isn't it? Um, Our emotions can change on a whim. They can change deliberately. They can change unconsciously if we are sort of distracted and and pulled in a million different directions. Um, But... They can definitely be deliberate as well, and they can definitely affect our physical body. So um, I would encourage you, even if it's just some basic, you know, bring your hands over your head, tall stretch in mountain pose, and then, you know, bring your arms down, forward fold, stretch the hamstrings, bend your knees, Uh, Maybe grab your elbows and just sway side to side. That's a really restorative pose that releases the lower back and the glutes as well. And then, um, you know, tune in with your breathing. It's really important. So just something super simple. And if you don't know where to start, you can go to YouTube. YouTube is a fantastic resource for lots of free yoga and lots of all advanced levels, beginner levels, Again, um, really, it's sort of, you know, the world is your oyster here. So um, get curious and start looking around and seeing what resonates with you. So the next um, aspect could be meditation. And really, even though in the United States, it seems like we've started to focus on asana, meditation is the foundation of um, all branches of yoga. And even just five to 15 minutes a day can help you become more mindful, more present, more peaceful, more compassionate. It has the physical benefits of lowering your blood pressure, lowering your heart rate, lowering your stress levels. Therefore, it will lower inflammation in your body. And so meditation is considered to be a crucial part of all sadhana. And um, it really does enhance so many different aspects of your life. So if you are not a regular meditation practitioner yet, I would say start small, start with five minutes. And again, you can find guided meditations on YouTube. I have some guided meditations on YouTube if you want to find my channel. Um, 
you can try mantra meditation and you can just um, start with something simple like Sat Nam and inhale Sat, exhale Nam, inhale Sat, exhale Nam. And you can just do that for five minutes. You can also use the mantra So Hum um, and Sat Nam means um, truth personified. So um, as you chant Satnam, you are literally saying in Sanskrit, I am truth. Um, so that's kind of cool and super simple, easy place to start. All right. So the next one is, um, and all of these are uh, sort of um, going um, from the tradition of yoga. So keep that in mind, too, if you're like, oh, I've never heard of some of these words before. No worries. But that's the foundation of them. So the next one is pranayama. And even and this, it really just means breath work. And even the sh uh, the shortest breath work routine can energize your body and calm your mind. And it is invaluable, again, for both physical and mental health. Studies have shown that just 10 minutes of deep breathing measurably impacts your respirations for the next 24 hours. So, and this is something that you can do, you can include it in both your asana and your meditation, or you can do it separately. So again, it depends on how much time do you have and how much time do you want to dedicate and how specific do you want to get. Um, mostly, I feel like most people until they get into more advanced practices in the yogic traditions, they include their pranayama with their asana and their meditation. <clears throat> So, um, again, and there's different um, types of breath work, which I would include, I would encourage you to um, Google or even YouTube different breathing exercises. And obviously, YouTube is a great resource for guided pranayama work. So the next aspect is uh, selfless service. So um, this is sort of like... Um, giving over your time and your energy to volunteer or um, be selfless in some way, shape or form. And um, Ansan Shushi said, when you're feeling helpless, help someone. And so even just the briefest of regular commitments, whether it be daily, weekly, or even just once a month to help others can be a powerful tool to build greater self-awareness and compassion and to, again, remind us that there is a huge world outside of our own lives and our own struggles. And um, we all have something to contribute uh, to help someone else out in life, I think. So the next one, which I think this all is really encompassing anyway, is self-study. A daily practice of reflecting on our patterns and assumptions is crucial for self-growth. Whether the guidance of a teacher or a counselor or a coach, self-study is essential if we are to become more conscious, caring, um, aware, non-judgmental, and compassionate. Okay. So another aspect is uh, something called satsang, or it is also referred to as fellowship or spending time with other truth seekers. And this can, um, again, come in many forms. I know in my community, there's like a, a Course in Miracles get together where, um, you know, different lessons of A Course in Miracles are studied. There are different meditation groups. There are... Um, 
if you're not sure what you have in your area, you can get on something called meetup.com and you can just look for anything. You can look for meditation, you can look for dance, you can look for prayer, um, you know, anything to sort of, you know, build a support system and find like-minded individuals. Okay, so the next one is study. So study of spiritual works. And um, this can be, again, as little as 10 or 15 minutes a day. You can incorporate it into your other um, aspects. So I um, really like to study um, sacred Sanskrit words and chanting. Um, and so I include that with my meditation practice. So a lot of these um, aspects can be combined. But daily reinforcement, again, helps us avoid stagnation and helps us sort of dig deeper and um, peel the layers back and learn more about both whatever we're studying, um, but also about ourselves. So one aspect that I've mentioned before, but I'll go into more detail now is also prayer. And this has often been described as the complement to meditation. And you don't have to be affiliated with any religious group or tradition to engage in prayer to have a healthy, wonderful, deep prayer practice. And um, Carolyn Mace talks a lot about prayer. And I would encourage you to um, Google Carolyn Mace and the word prayer and um, look at the wealth of things that come up and how she talks about prayer. It's really beautiful. In meditation, we are learning to quiet the mind so we can better listen to the wisdom inside us and around us. And in prayer, we are clarifying and reinforcing our focus and our goals. And instead of getting caught up in uh, the unconscious thoughts which fill our daily lives, we are mindfully asking ourselves, what do I really want for my life? Where could I use some wisdom and guidance in order to move forward? Uh, one of the prayers that Gabby talks a lot about is um, asking, what would you have me do? Where would you have me go? And to whom? Who would you have me serve? So thinking about it as a from the perspective of service as well, which we talked a little bit about before. And so instead of, I feel like, um, a lot of us were taught as kids, maybe in the Christian tradition to like pray for the stuff that we want or for the outcomes that we want. But instead of that, really thinking about prayer is how can I be a tool of service? How can I bring my light into the world? Like opening yourself up to receive that guidance by asking those questions. So something that I talk a lot about is journaling. So our next piece of sadhana is um, a spiritual journal. And just like an athlete tracks his or her training and performance in order to evaluate where um, him, he or her, him, his or her program is going, how it is, um, if we are serious about our inner growth, we'll want to do the same. And so recording maybe even those days where we don't have time or we don't feel like it, just writing that down. And so a spiritual journal can be a great tool for tracking where you are, where you've been, where you feel like you're moving toward, how well, and, um, and the results that you're um, experiencing. Um, another aspect is food. And diet can have a powerful impact on our, on our mental, emotional, and spiritual growth. And for that reason, simplifying your diet might make it a little bit easier for um, 
for you to sort of incorporate this. I know there's so many ways of eating out there and it can be really overwhelming, but if you just focus on eating real whole food. So was it grown in the ground? Great, you can eat it. What, did it come from a well and healthy raised animal? Great, eat that. <laughs> just keep it to those simple things. And um, that'll take a lot of extra decision making out of your day um, and sort of hope, hopefully help you deal with decision fatigue. Another aspect that you might want to try is fasting. Even for brief periods, um, allowing your GI tract to have that rest, which fasting allows, can provide considerable time and energy for focusing on spiritual work. Even going, you know, just 24 hours without worrying about food can fuel significant change in other aspects of your life. And um, you'll find examples of fasting all over the spiritual traditions all over the world. So that's something to consider. But definitely, um, if you're diabetic, or um, maybe if you're um, dealing with chronic disease, don't start a fasting program without some sort of medical guidance. Okay, what else? Ooh, I mentioned chanting. That's something that I like to explore. And so it, that's called kirtan. And um, it is also a part of the yogic tradition. But, you know, obviously uh, singing is a part of many religious practices. So whether you're um, chanting a mantra or maybe you're singing a hymn or any other um, spiritual song, uh, think about that because that can really lift your energy, lift your mood, and um, it can be a inviting and invigorating and fun part of the practice. And uh, we already talked about journaling, but there also can be something called a written meditation. And this is a less common practice, but it is one that is surprisingly powerful. And it's exactly as it sounds. Written meditation is simply writing as an expression, whether it's a mantra or an affirmation, or maybe you're just doing a set amount of time of free writing. Um, any of these ways can be um, a deepening and awareness for your practice. And the last aspect, which I think if all of these are done on a regular basis, then it will become a ritual. And so um, rituals are um, can be powerful tools for using various senses and reinforce our spiritual values and personal work. And I've done um, several podcasts and blogs about uh, rituals. So this is definitely relates to those. So um, with all of those options that I just listed, there were quite a few. Now you want to choose your choose how much choose what you're willing and able to commit to and just be consistent with that. Maybe you only want to start with one aspect. Like for me, especially when I was starting my meditation practice, I was just doing that for 10 to 15 minutes every morning. And that was it. And then on some days, I was able to go to a yoga class. But they were, you know, and then some of the yoga class, they would they would incorporate meditation as well. But so just start with one and see how it goes. And then as your practice evolves, and you start to build some momentum, and you start to deepen your relationship and your curiosity, then you can expand to other things. So again, um, the power of sequence is really important. 
where does it fit into your day? And maybe how can individual practices build off of one another? And um, if yoga is something that you are already partaking in or studying or practicing, then can you build meditation into that? Can you build chanting into that? Can you build breath work into that? Can you build tantra into that? So all of these different things that will complement and build, which will also build your discipline, build your consistency, build your rhythm, and really, you'll start to see um, great and positive change in your daily life. So just to finish things up here, um, I want to give you some quick tips for success. Keep a journal, be creative, allow for flexibility and imperfection and non judgment and self love, and use your body as feedback. If you do this practice for a week or maybe even two or three days and you feel wiped afterwards, it's time to like reevaluate because again, this should be invigorating and nourishing and hoping you helping you feel better and more energized throughout your day. So um, definitely keep those things in mind. Again, uh, thank you for tuning in with me today. I love to hear your feedback, your ideas. What are per your personal practices? What do you do that makes you feel alive and invigorated and wonderful every day? Um, again, tune in to me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I, this podcast is broadcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor FM, and CastBox, oh, and Podbean. And um, I will look forward to uh, catching you on the flip side. Namaste.